The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello, this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we're going to have a fascinating conversation today with our guest, Enrique Villanueva. This is a time when governments of countries from all over the world are releasing their UFO files, and at least 38% of Americans believe that there's intelligent life on other worlds, according to the Huffington Post. Enrique grew up observing UFOs in the skies of his native Peru. By learning to raise his consciousness, Enrique has been able to have direct contact with extraterrestrial beings, and to experience four days in the fourth dimension. Join us now for a fascinating discussion on higher consciousness and our potential for contact with higher dimensional beings from other worlds. Welcome, Enrique. Okay. Um, I think Peru is a very blessed place. Um, there are some special conditions uh, that make it a a place probably for uh, sightings, and I would say that even maybe 80% of the territory can be used as a hot spot for sightings. And it was in the year 1977 when I have a first sighting, the one I remember. Um, I was with friends playing outside in the block uh, at night when we saw this light uh, going high speed on top of us and the light was so bright that the night became day suddenly and I was really, really surprised by it. Then days later we have another sighting, uh, I think it was the same month, where this craft um, suddenly went down uh, close to the place I, I live. And I remember all the kids and adults running towards the avenue and, and looking at this thing, um, making the, the movements, very sudden movements, and then sudden stops also. And that really wake me up about this thing. Uh, this was not a meteor. This was something else. And I guess at that point I started to look more often to the skies, searching for for weird stuff that I think before seven, maybe I didn't realize or my eyes were always at the level of the floor. But uh, from that moment on, I was looking up more often. And I remember the day after that second sighting, <coughs> my father uh, bought many newspapers. And in the during breakfast, next day, we were discussing about the possibility of visitation from 
alien beings. My father was uh, a person that was always interested in that possibility. And he even practiced uh, with many uh, groups of metaphysical studies. He was part of the Rosicrucian Order, uh, Gnostics, and, and some other groups that he participated with in his uh, young years. And he was very open to, to new ideas at the time, so we could openly discuss uh, um, this kind of topics. And I remember from seven and up, I, I was curious. I was reading um, magazines about it and newspapers, and of course, watching the skies often. So, Enrique, on, sorry, I was just going to ask you. That's that's very interesting. It's in the newspapers. What was the approach of the media towards the topic? Were they open? Were they? Did they scoff at it? What what was your, what was your impression of how the media handled that topic? Well, at that young age, uh, I think it was more the influence of my father. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe five percent of the media, and I'm talking about printed media, magazines and newspapers. Maybe five percent would be open to to publicly talk about this these topics. Uh, it's not that the media is all the time on top of these things, but right. you can find from time to time um, some news about it. And probably on TV uh, weekly, you will know about some sighting uh, in some location in Peru. Okay. And so as you, as you matured and went into your teen years, did you continue to have sightings or did that stop for a while? After seven, I don't remember any other interest in sighting until I was about 16. Okay. At 16, I, I started meditating more often at the roof of my house and remember clearly that after my meditation, I could type this uh, kind of like finding stars, but then these small stars stopped and then they start zigzagging in the sky or, or making different moves. Right. And that was definitely not a star, not a satellite. And I, I was, like, uh, curious about it at 16 hmm. and reading more about possible uh, contact with aliens. And then I knew about the Rama group, yeah. Okay. And tell us about the Rama group. Okay, with Rama... I first read about them in one of those magazines. Um, uh, they started in 1974 with uh, the experience of two brothers, Sixto and Charlie Paz Wells. Uh, Sixto um, is the one that was open and searching actively for the metaphysical uh, studies. Uh, he was part of the... Um, GFU, I think is the name, the Great Fraternity of, of Yoga, or Universal Fraternity, mm -hmm. that's the name. Okay. Uh, in Spanish, is La Gran Fraternidad Universal. Uh, they practice yoga in many different countries. I'm sure probably exists uh, in your country, too. And well, six to start practicing with them, then uh, he started going to, to conferences about uh, different topics related to astral plane and meditation. And his father 
was a scientist actually who who was uh, very interested in the uh, contact with alien beings. He was an engineer after a big accident he got um, in a motorcycle uh, when he recovered. Um, he said he had this uh, sighting, this experience, and he recovered faster. And then he met with many other scientists in Peru, and they decided to to start this group of studies that was going to search for alien proof of alien contact or intelligence. So they create uh, this uh, organization called IPRI. Um, it's like uh, a group that searched for that. And this group was working for years when Sixto was born in the in the house of um, this, uh, I think his name was Carlos. Okay. And this uh, Carlos, the father of Sixto, uh, for years ran the group. When Sixto was born, he was not especially interested in the alien contact, but the other stuff. Then at 17, I think, Sixto uh, went to one of the conferences that his father was promoting in Lima, the capital of Peru. And in that conference, uh, one of the scientists was going to talk about uh, Osma. I think that the grandfather of SETI, Searching for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Yes. I think the, the original name was OSMA. Hmm. I don't know exactly what those uh, letters means, but it was about the, uh, getting the signal, the radio signals from the space and communicate through them with an alien intelligence. And <clears throat> Sixto went to that conference and he got the idea of maybe maybe we could use our brain as um, a radio antenna. Right. We could send signals and receive signals with the use of our abilities. Our own consciousness. Not necessarily technology. So right. Sixto tried it. As soon as he got home, he got paper and pen. He was sitting in the table with his uh, mother and, and sister. And they, the three of them relaxed and just opened their minds and tried to receive something. And Sixto and his sister, they saw something in their minds. They saw a person wearing this white robe and like looking at them. Suddenly Sixto felt this impulse of energy in his hand and started writing something uh, or scrubbing on the paper and then later ideas that he could um, write on the paper. And this first uh, psychographic communication said um, this is a place uh, where we can have the, the communication my name is Oxalk. I am from Morland. Uh, you call it Ganymedes, one of the moons of Jupiter. We can talk about UFOs in Peru. Right. That was the first um, communication they received. And Sixto was very surprised. He didn't believe it. He thought it was some kind of affloration of his subconscious mind or something like that. Right. He was skeptical about it. But because the sister also saw something in her mind. She was more open, so she spread the word uh, in the neighborhood. Next day, when Sixto came back from the university, he found that 50 people, neighbors, were in the house waiting for him. So <laughs> they forced him to try the communication again. Sixto tried it, and then the amazement, because uh, this being 
really communicate through him uh, so much information that that was information Fixo didn't didn't have. And well, after that, the big brother of Fixo, Charlie, asked for confirmation of this communication. Like, if you really are an alien being, why don't you show us uh, a right. craft, a ship? And then through Sixto, they invite them to go to the Chilka Desert. And this desert was like 60 kilometers to the south of the capital, uh, in the coast of Lima, Peru. Right. And they went to, to that desert, and they remained there for three days until the date that was appointed for the sighting. And at the exact date and hour, they have a big sighting, and people were very afraid of it, but that was the first time for Sixto and everybody else, so they were all like, so they, very they, afraid of it. So they received confirmation, you know, through through the sighting that his his writing and his ability to connect consciously with these beings was authentic. Oh, yeah. At the moment when the craft approached them, uh, they started running, right? That was the first time. So oh. they, some of them ran and put themselves under the cars. And they say that they could clearly hear a voice in their heads, all of them. And the voice says, um, you are not prepared for the physical encounter with us, but there would be a time, a place for the preparation. And then the craft went towards the ocean, and it vanished. So that was the first sighting, and that was the first confirmation that the contact was real. After that, Sixto, the brother, the sister, and many others started training themselves in the, in the psychography. So they could receive more messages. And through those messages is the drama uh, started to grow with the community in Peru. And through that is that I actually get in touch with them because they were very public. They were on the news. They were in, in magazines and stuff. Now, I remember you said in, we were exchanging some emails before the show that you had been initiated into the protocols. Would you be comfortable talking about what that initiation was? Uh, yeah, uh, the protocol is, um, we call it the 24 practices, uh, the 24 steps. But that's mostly a formality. It's like an introduction to the group where you find some of the information we received through the years about the, the aliens, their origins, the names of the aliens, because it seems that... Uh, for this group of contact, we had like 49 guides assigned to be the, the instructors, uh, people that are not from this planet. They, they were assigned to, to be the guides for the people that approach the Rama um, program of contact. Okay. And these 49 beings are always like... Um, open up to to any curiosity we have about it and if they can give us information about it they will and uh, the 24 steps are some of the steps we just missed we we go through them and then we continue but the the real protocol is something we learn through the 24 steps is is more a feeling i would say uh, definitely we have to do some things, like we try to to eat 
differently. Uh, and what, like what, what, most of us change to a vegetarian um, diet. Okay. Or at least temporarily. Uh, sometimes when we go to the desert, we even fast for a few days. Um, but that's not very common. Not all of us fast, but I'm telling you what are some of the steps we could take. So, and so definitely mm -hmm. uh, one of the big important steps is to learn to meditate. Ah, we yes. need to clear our minds. We need to, to practice meditation a lot. And then... Um, Another important thing is the use of this mantra they share with us. The mantra is Rama. Uh -huh. There are many other mantras that they share with us through the years, but mantra is like a key. Uh -huh. um, through this Rama mentalization, we uh, get in contact with them. Um, they It's like they notice us when we do the mantra, so they approach us. Wonderful. Um, the way uh, Rama is written is R A H M A. R A H M A, and I've seen it R A M A as well. Enrique, we, we're going to have to take a break, um, but we're going to come back and talk about these protocols because this is something that anyone with some s sincere desire can actually learn to do and have have incredible experiences. So, thank you. We'll, we'll be back in a moment. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. With the divorce rate staggering in the Western world and a majority of men and women sleeping with someone other than their spouse, we need to look at relationships and marriage from another point of view. Listen for Contract for Love with your host, Lori J. Contracts are the best way to protect ourselves and our children from a society of broken marriages. You'll learn more about relationships than you ever thought possible. Tune in to Contract for Love every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And this is Ann Gelsheimer, and you're listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. My guest today is Enrique Villanova, and Enrique has just been describing uh, the protocols that are involved in making contact with extraterrestrial intelligence through the group Rama. And uh, this is fascinating. I know there are going to be many listeners who want to know how is it that a person could learn to raise their consciousness and have this sort of contact. So we were talking about the importance of meditation and the use of the mantra. So Enrique, would you uh, like to step back in and let us know uh, where do we go from there? Okay, the mantra Rama uh, is the one we use mostly in every meeting we have in the outdoors. And we use it in a way uh, so we can contact with them. And if you want a taste of how it sounds, I can try it now. Yes, um, please. And I don't know, my voice is not that good. I woke up like an hour ago, but there it goes. <laughs> okay. It's okay. just like this. <clears throat> That's very powerful. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. I could feel that. Yeah, you see the pronunciation of the R in the beginning is important too because I notice ankle uh, uh, people sometimes they have difficulty to, to yes. pronounce R to, to that rolling R. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but we try it like that, and we sometimes do the mantra uh, verbally, sometimes mentally, um, with the inner voice, and we do it normally about 12 times, uh, sometimes even more, sometimes an hour of mentalization. But the idea is to, to fix your mind into that vibration to enter the, the telepathic um, band they are working with, and then we start exchanging information. But uh, once we do the mantra, then I would say the, the meditation helps us to go into our hearts, to be connected with the, the function of the center in our heart. Because I think that the field of energy that is bigger in our uh, physical manifestation. So it's important to be in the heart when we are connected with them. And actually when you have an encounter with them, you will feel that the communication goes through feelings also, not just the, the mental exchange. That makes sense. I, I, I know from my experiences on the trainings with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, it's opening the heart. And when, when the group is in that sort of heart-centered space, we have the most amazing contact. Yeah. W- would, you, would you tell us about your contact experiences? Yeah, sure. Well, as I told you, at 7, the first sightings. Then at 12, I had some uh, astral projections that were spontaneous. Uh, I thought that was an experience of a normal teenager because they told me through teenage years you're going to have weird experiences, but that astral projection was something like I wasn't expecting. I went to my mm-hmm. father, and he told me that um, that was not really that normal, but he got the experience too. So he pointed some books from the 
I think it was the Rosicrucian order. And he told me I could practice some of the uh, techniques they have for uh, having a, a controlled astral projection. So I read the books, and from reading about astral projection, I started reading about meditation and and about psychic abilities and clairvoyance and all that stuff. And, and that was exciting for me in those years. And remember that I got so much control over the astral projection that I started playing around and, and going to other houses and <laughs> to travel to different uh, countries and very good exploring. Then uh, around 16, I, I lost the, the um, interest for the astral projection. I noticed there was a limitation there, as there is a limitation in the physical manifestation. So I said, the astral is not the, the ultimate experience. I need something else. So I keep practicing meditation. At 17, 16, I started having these sightings in the sky while meditating. And then... Um, at 17, I remember one afternoon after watching those things in the sky, um, I went to for a nap. And during the nap, I remember clearly that I hear the, the sound of the phone ringing. I went for the phone because nobody was answering. And when I leave the auricular to hear, that there was a voice of a person it was like a male, but as, as he talks, the, the voice changes into a female and and then to a boy. It was a weird uh, way of talking, and right. that person was telling me, um, we are close to the solar system right now, and you were asking for friends in the space, and very soon we will visit you. And when this person said that, I was in shock because I was not expecting a communication with aliens through the phone, right? Wow. <laughs> and, and for me, it was shocking. I was like, this is not possible. But then I hear the phone ringing again, and I had it in my, in my hand. And then I said, what is this? And then I woke up in my bed, and I noticed that was a dream. And I ran towards the phone that was really ringing. And when I leave the auricular again, the there was no one there. Ah, oh, interesting. So I thought, this is very weird. This was very close to an astral projection, and it got me by surprise. So I was opening now to the astral experience again, and I'm waiting for the info that will take me into the contact with them. I was expecting a physical contact at the moment. And then, days later in the news, uh, I heard that the Rama group was going to the desert to have a physical encounter with those beings. So when I heard that news, I, I thought maybe that's the encounter they were talking about. Maybe I'm supposed to be with the Rama group. So I contacted the Rama group. I went to the place they met, and I told them I'm supposed to be there. And they say, no, uh, you are supposed to have at least one year of preparation with us in order to go to the desert. And they didn't want me there. So I felt oh, no. rejected and bad. And oh. As the rebel I was, I told my father, uh, we are going. I don't know how, but we are going. So I get the directions of the place, and very late at night, we will not be discovered. Uh, we went. But through the desert at night, it was like 12 at night. Uh, my father got afraid. He told me, you know what, the car is going to get stuck in the sand and nobody's going to find us here, so we better go back. 
and I was disappointed. Yes. We went back to Lima. When we were entering the city, uh, there was a big um, blackout. All the lights of the city went out. Uh-huh. And that was the time of the of the terrorism in my country. That was the uh, 1980s. Okay. So it was not a surprise for us. Maybe the terrorists just blew out some of the towers of electricity and something happened. That was our thought. We arrived home. I went to my uh, room, lit some candles, and went to sleep. During the night, I had the most amazing astral projection. I, I met these two beings. And they took me inside a craft. They took me to a base that is supposed to be in the dark side of the moon. From there, they show me stuff about Mars and the civilization that uh, flourished there like many thousands of years ago. And then they show me that they have different um, like colonies in, in a satellite in our solar system. Uh-huh. And... Then, when I woke up in the morning, I had all this information, and I was crazy about it because I talked to my mom, and she thought I was crazy, and I couldn't talk about this with my friends in the blog. I, I started feeling like I was a really a strange person. So I knew I had to be in contact with people that shared the same passion, let's say. So I went to the Rama group, and I explained to them what I received at night. And they were amazed because we were sharing the same information. And they told me that there was an opening. Many kids were going to come and be the next uh, group of trainees in Rama. So I was there. And I trained with them for the next six months. And we had collective sightings in the Chilka Desert. And then we trained in all the protocols they have. And in the during the sixth month, I realized that my group, because we were the the new guys in Rama, we didn't have an antenna. Antenna is the person that has a telepathic channel open to have this exchange of communication with this guy, the alien being. Okay. And I was feeling that my group, the newbies, they didn't have the like the interest in in trying the, the psychographic communication. So I said, somebody has to do it. So I started trying it in my house. Every night at 11, I took paper and pen and just opened up my mind waiting for the communication. The first night I did it, nothing happened. I, I felt some weird energy running through my spine, but I thought maybe that was fear or something. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> the next night I tried it. Um, I was in the dining room in the house of my fathers and my parents, and I remember that I felt that energy running through my spine again. Then I felt like a presence in the room, but there was nothing. So I leave it like that. The third night I tried it, I thought, if nothing happened tonight, this is the last try. I'm not going to try it again because it's not working for me. And at 11 o'clock, I was with paper, pen, waiting, I opened my mind, just relaxed, when suddenly I felt again the energy, this time stronger, running from my head through my spine, and then again the feeling of a presence in the room, and I look around thinking that maybe my father or my brother woke up in the night, but no, no one was there. So I closed my eyes again, 
and suddenly my vision, my mental vision was so clear, I saw someone standing behind me, but I saw it mentally, right? Right, right. Someone was standing behind, and this person behind me stretched his hand towards my neck, and then I felt like energy running. It was not something I, I, well, I saw it, but I felt it. The energy was running from his palms into the occipital part of my my skull, and this energy runs from the back part towards the forehead. And when it, this energy was running, it was with a with a buzzing sound like, and the third buzzing sound created like an explosion in my forehead, explosion of light that I saw. And when this light uh, like vanished. I opened my eyes, I noticed a person standing in the other side of my table. Wow. And what This did... person was there, and I uh-huh. was so shocked that I couldn't believe my eyes. I was, like, ready to run or pee. I, I was really, really afraid. Really scared. What did this person look like? Can you describe that? Uh, yeah, the, the person was about 6'1 or 6'2 feet, I mean. And he was very well built, like like a person that practices gymnastics. Maybe I remember his shoulders, very round, like very strong, muscular guy. And his hair was like white, like an old person, but white. He was not old at all. He looked like a thirty-five year old person, maybe. And. His features, his face, was very harmonious. You could see he was a female, but there was some delicacy in his in his face. Maybe a little bit of, of female uh, factions, but uh, his eyes were like a, like an Asian guy, a little bit bigger, but not that much. I mean, if he could have been wearing clothes that are uh, the normal clothes in this planet, probably we would think about him as a, a person with an exotic beauty, I would say. Okay. Could, could mix right in. He was wearing a robe that was white. It was like a silk. And I said it's silk because it really draws the, the muscular body he got very well. So I could see details in his body. It uh, was not translucent or transparent, but it was very silky. It accommodates to the form of his body. Okay. And he was just standing there looking at me, and and I was so shocked <laughs> by the silence. I don't know if it lasted for seconds, or, but I was I was really afraid. I could feel my heart uh, in my neck, and right. I remember that I needed to break the ice because I thought I was going to collapse. So I told <sighs> him verbally. I said. Are you gonna say something? I'm ready to to write, right? And he smiled at me, and then I felt this energy coming from him. I felt because I couldn't see the energy. There was around him some kind of energy that I could see with my eyes, but that was not an aura. That was something else around the line of his whole body. And when I felt the energy, I felt something coming that I couldn't see, but I felt it in my whole body. And that energy embraced me, and immediately I could feel his loving uh, feelings towards me, like like a brother. 
Beautiful. And my brain translated that feeling into little brother. He was telling me little brother. Oh, nice. Yeah. Or small brother. And it was like so real that he really had that love for me that I immediately let go of any protection I had. It was like I did not to protect myself from him. I understood that he was a really loving being. And he really loved me as a brother. So I just let go of whatever I was uh, thinking, and and he started communicating through those feelings. And he told me something like, um, and I'm saying it's like because he didn't say that. My brain translates those feelings, right? Yes. And he says, uh, I was in the need to calm down because you are not the antenna of the group. Um, you still have to train yourself in opening up the channel. So it was easier for the communication for me to come down and have this encounter with you. And what we need you to do is to go back to the group, the meetings you have with the people, the kids, and tell them to prepare. Because from one of you, we are going to pick up the one that has the channel more open. We are going to train that person so the group won't have uh, the communication and the information we are going to share with you in the months to come. So, um, Enrique, sorry, I'm, we're going to have to go to a break, but I, okay. wa- I, I want to thank you because what you've communicated about the ETs is, is certainly what my experience has been and, and many others of how loving they are. And this is a really, really important message to get out there that there is, and that's how you know you're having an authentic experience. You'll feel the love. It's very powerful, uh, or peace, or just a sense of serenity. Those are, those have been my experiences as well. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, um, it would be great if we could talk a little bit more about what people could do, uh, who perhaps don't, haven't yet Uh, run across a group like Rama but are very very interested in making their own contact maybe what some first steps would be so but we'll go to commercial now thank you this is the voice America seventh wave channel In unified consciousness, we are all part of the spectrum. As individuals interconnected, there is no time, no space, just the all. Listen for Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet, featuring hosts Joan Newcomb and Janet Barrett. Each week, Joan and Janet will provide new focal points for you to resonate with and explore. Their passion is to support your evolutionary growth and change. Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet is broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. All day long, we sort out clutter in our minds and bodies, all the while trying to find that healing modality that will work for us. 
Tune in to Intermission with host Patty Campbell. Each week, we'll explore a deeper spirituality and the healing process. Everyone has the capability to heal themselves. Let us help you find your capability in the hopes that you will pay it forward. Intermission Journey to Wellness is broadcast live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and this is Conscious Evolution Radio. We're talking with Enrique Villanueva, and Enrique has been telling us about the protocols to make contact with extraterrestrial beings, beings of great love and, and very, very beautiful beings. So I've asked Enrique to talk to us now a bit about how would the average person who has really loving the idea of this and would like to take some steps forward in training and developing themselves, what advice would you give, Enrique, to that person? Well, if they want to practice with the protocols of Rama, I would say start with meditation, any kind of meditation. Just try not to imply in the meditation one specific ideology. Um, What I mean by that is there are some angelic meditations, there are uh, meditation with the fairies, meditation with uh, just an open meditation that helps you relax and just clear your thoughts. Uh, the more neutral the meditation is, the better. And then you can practice during the meditation the mantra, the Rama. As you practice Rama, try to focus on the energy of your heart. and. If you have the intention of communicating with them, use that energy from the heart to project that light or that info you are trying to give away from the heart to your head and from your head to the sky, to the space, to the open space. And just have the faith that they are listening. Rama is like the key. The word Rama is the key to contact them. Then just remain open and they will find the right moment to give you some info. It will come like an intuition, like a feeling, maybe. Um, If you can, predispose yourself for the psychography, for the uh, receiving uh, telepathically, but use paper and pen, so you can write down whatever they are saying. Uh, If you want to confirm that the information they are giving you is really them and not a game of your subconscious mind, you can ask for a proof of it. Sometimes we ask, um, could you please uh, show me some signs that this communication is real, it's not my imagination? And then they would say something like, okay, in two hours, go out to your uh, porch of your house and look at the sky. We will be there. And then you go out and you see the light either forming or going away or passing by, and you will have the confirmation that that communication was real. If you go out and nothing happened, that was probably your imagination. So 
throw the paper and try again. Very okay? good. But we will have confirmation. Uh, this is not just I'm receiving this and I've been receiving for years. No, if you don't have proof of what's the source, then don't go with it. It could be yourself. Very good advice. Is there anything else that you would recommend? Uh, the protocols, as you see, are very simple. But if you can be in contact with some of the members of the Rama group, that would help also because in Rama we say that there are four faces for the people that prepare in Rama. The first one is called the Auron, is the calling. When the people feel that I have to participate with this group of contact, or I have to have the experience of contact. And you search for many places until you find someone that is doing it. That's the Auron. Then the Sendra phase is when uh, you start having the experiences. You have the first sightings, then during meditation you uh, interlace your mind with the mind of an alien, and then you have very uh, many close sightings and encounters with them. The, the encounter I told you, trying the, the communication, was the first one. Then I have another one when they heal my body. Then I have another physical encounter in Mount Shasta, just in 2012, where I could see many of those beings, and one of them uh, are close to me, and we could exchange some information. But you see, it increases through the years. It's not that every year I have six, seven encounters. No, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this encounter in Shasta in 2012 happened 20 years after my last one. So wow. even when we have this... Um, mental connection with them and deciding the physical encounter is very rare and you have to through the years cultivate that that kind of communication with them so yes practice and get close to the people that are already uh, working with the system of uh, contact with the program of contact Rama. now how, how do people get in touch with uh, the Rama group uh, we have some of our members traveling around the world, spreading the word of uh, whatever we received through these years. Uh, one of them is Sixto Paz. Sixto just came to the United States, and he has been in many countries. He travels around 30 countries a year. So wow. either he's in Europe, in Asia, many different places. The same with Luis Fernando Mostajo. Um, Luis Fernando started the communication with the aliens when he was a teenager. He didn't have a contact with Sixto, but he received information from the same beings. Eventually, they met uh, and they exchanged information. They were working in Rama, even though they were in different countries, Bolivia and Peru. And Luis Fernando is also one of those guys that travel around the world. He was in Hawaii recently. Mm-hmm. Okay. in Norway and many different places, uh, spreading the word about the contact. Yeah. So, so anytime you, mm-hmm. you see they're going to have a conference in your city, try to go. Uh, that's part of the Auron, the calling. And through them, probably you will have the experiences, okay. and then you will go through the other two phases of Rama. 
Okay, that's great. So that's a place for people to start. Now, I know we only have a few minutes left. Um, I'd love for you to speak even briefly about your experience of being in the fourth dimension for uh, a few days. I know that that could be a whole show on itself, but would you mind sharing a little bit about how that happened and what happened? Sure. And um, for me, it was uh, an experience that I didn't expect. The alien beings talk about the four dimensions of consciousness as a reality. But for us, it was like one of those weird topics they talk about. We were teenagers. We were uh, waiting for the sightings. I want the ship to come down and enter and, and have the exchange with them. I didn't care about that uh, four dimension of consciousness or what it was. But they mentioned it over and over. In 1990, I was already 20 years old. And they already invited me once to have a, a physical encounter and go inside the ship. But I was so afraid at the moment of the experience that I quit the experience. I said, no, I'm sorry, I cannot do it. And they just let me be. They told me, okay, there will be another time for that experience. Right. But then, when I asked for the experience months later, they didn't answer anything. And I was, like, trying to get it, and it was like they ignored me for a while. And I was so pissed off, so <laughs> mad about it, right. that I decided I'm in the university, I'm trying to study a formal career, uh, I'm not going to waste my time. I think I already received what I have to receive to the Rama group, so I'm going to quit the Rama experience. I'm going to dedicate to my formal instruction. My parents were paying a very expensive university in Peru, so I decided I was going to go for the formal education. And I did. I quit Rama in 1990. Mm -hmm. And months later, I think it was the month of June, that I started to feel something weird. Um, it was, again, a feeling a very powerful feeling that I thought maybe it was the guides of Rama calling me back, but I didn't have the signs or anything. It was just a feeling. And the feeling was like something was approaching me. Some kind of energy was close to me all the time. And as days passed by, this energy was so close that I could stretch my hands and try to feel it. I remember stretching my hands literally and what is it? I was I was with a question mark all the time. And an afternoon when I was studying for one of my tests in the in the university, I felt this energy so close that I, I felt that it was touching my skin. And I remember that my mind started to accelerate. Somehow I was thinking so clearly uh, but I couldn't believe myself. I thought I was going crazy or something. I was reading this book from this philosophist in Spain. Um, his name is Ortega y Gasset, The Revolution of the Masses. I was reading that when I realized that I knew the whole book, and I was just in the first chapter. So I was thinking, what happened to me? Where this information is coming from? And maybe I'm going crazy for real. Maybe all these years mm -hmm. of meditation did something in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I let go of the book and I tried some meditation to relax my, my mind. And then 
I practice this balancing energy through the pranayama. I don't know if you ever practice the pranayama. I have. And just so you know, we just have about uh, two minutes tops, just so you know. Well, through that experience, uh, breathing in and out, some energy uh, ignite, explode in the base of my spine, and I saw this golden light running up the spine, and and then uh, lights and and it's very difficult to explain. I had to, and I did wrote a book about it. It's called Four Days in the Four Dimensions. And since that experience, the next four days, I was in an altered state of consciousness and uh, clairvoyance, telepathy, intuition, everything was normal to me in those four days. It was like I was a different being uh, on the planet. And... And through that experience, I realized what was the fourth dimension and what was the humankind expecting in our next step in evolution. So yeah, that's what happened. And okay, okay. Uh, just to be clear, so you were actually you were still living your uh, regular life, but your consciousness was in the fourth dimension, so you were experiencing life very differently. Is that correct? Exactly. It was like being pushed into okay. a pool without knowing how to swim, and yes, it was a very different density. So we're yeah. going to have to wrap up. I love this. I, w- I want to thank you so much for being on the show, and I hope you'll come back, because we haven't done justice to this experience you've had in the fourth dimension. But thank you so much, Enrique. You've been a wonderful guest, and you've been very generous. I really appreciate it. And this is Anne Gelsheimer speaking from Conscious Evolution Radio, and this is uh, Voice America. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.